You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God, who always causes us, you and I, to triumph in Christ Jesus. It's going to be a great lesson today. I want you to tag a friend, let them know that we're alive. And I want you to send your questions in at the end of the podcast. I'm going to answer your questions. This is our last lesson for uh, this year. And this is our concluding lesson. We've been talking about integrity, the cornerstone value of heaven, And in particular, we've been talking about the four pillars of integrity. There are four pillars of integrity that gives us a holistic insight to integrity. And these four pillars are honesty, consistency, purity, and authenticity. Now, we've talked about honesty. This is a five lesson series. We talked about honesty. We talked about consistency. We talked about purity. And in this fifth and final lesson today, we're going to be talking about authenticity, authenticity. As we, you know, our process is to always get on the same page So we're going to spend a few minutes with our introduction. We're going to get on the same page by understanding what authenticity is. And then I'm going to develop three points in this lesson. And then finally, I'm going to conclude by I want to challenge four different groups uh, in my closing. So let's let's take off. What is authenticity? What is it? I have three definitions. Authenticity, number one, is genuineness. Genuineness. Secondly, authenticity means to be free from pretense, not pretending, just being yourself wherever you are or with whomever you're with. Then thirdly, authenticity means not false, not copied, in other words, not a fake, true to oneself. So when I look at, looked at these three definitions and I meditated on the three definitions, I realized that there were two categories <clears throat> or two basic uh, kinds of authenticity. There's a personal side a human side, and we're going to talk most of the lesson about that. But as I meditated, I realized that there is brand authenticity. And I realized that many of you listening to me now, you're in business, you have your own business. Some of you, you have your own ministry, you're connected with a company, you represent a company, you're employed uh, by a company or business. So there is Brand authenticity. Now, brand authenticity simply means being actually and exactly 
what is claimed, whether you're a business, whether you're a ministry, whether you're a church, brand authenticity is being actually and exactly what is claimed. In other words, it's being true to your messaging. When we talk about authenticity, you understand that there's the real and there's the fake. There are real diamonds, fake diamonds, real gold, fake gold, real Louis ladies, talking about purses, purses, and then there are fake purses, real material, fake material. But when we talk about brand authenticity, we're talking about being true to your messaging. So as a business, as a minister, as a church, if you are communicating that you're transparent, that you're reliable, that you're flexible, that you're committed to customer satisfaction, then it's important that you be true to the messaging. That's brand authenticity. I, uh, for example, I had uh, two Christian businessmen to do some work for me on my house. They both communicated that they were believers. One uh, of the businessmen, he was very outspoken by his Christianity. He, he made me very much aware that he was a Christian. And before we began the project, he grabbed my hand, pulled me to the side, and he wanted to pray with me. And he prayed this very religious prayer. Uh, and, and, and he was so excited about representing me. He knew I was a pastor. I was a minister. So he did the whole religious thing. And I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled that I was working with a Christian. But I discovered that he was really a fake. I'm not talking about him as a person, but I'm talking about his business. It was fake. He was not reliable. He was dishonest in some ways. He was not true to his word. It took a, a project that should have taken weeks went way over a year. I had to ask someone else to finish it. He was not authentic. And then I had another Christian businessman do some work for me. He didn't pray a prayer with me. I knew he was a believer. He didn't go through all that. He didn't pull me aside. But he really was true to his word. He was excellent, did an excellent job. I mean, it was just wonderful how he acted. Notice his messaging was consistent with his work, brand authenticity. Now, authenticity is a pillar of integrity, and it is so very, very important that you and I be authentic. Now, why is it important? It is important because authenticity prepares the hearts of others to trust you, prepares the hearts of others to trust us. If we're in leadership, for example, maybe you're in leadership. If you are an authentic leader, then those under you, followers, subordinates, they will be more open 
to share with you problems and circumstances and situations and be very transparent, which will increase the likelihood of fixing problems and progress and projects. But if you're not authentic, then it's going to be some confusion. It's going to be a lot of secret, uh, underhanded maneuvers because the followers don't trust you. You see, authenticity is important also because it creates loyalty and it increases profit. Whenever I'm working with someone, a business person, and they're authentic, then just my word of mouth, I'm going to tell everybody how good they are, how reliable they are, but the converse is true. So authenticity is very important. I have three major points that I want to develop in this lesson, and we're going to focus now primarily on that personal side of authenticity. The first major point that I want to make today is that God uniquely created you. Come on, said that. God uniquely created me. Say that one more time. God uniquely created me. I have two proof texts for that from the scripture. The Bible says in Psalms 139, verse 13 through 14 in the New Living Translation, it says, referring to God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. Notice the psalmist is uh, honoring God and his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 uh, in the New Living Translation, the very first part of the verse says, for we are God's workmanship. That is powerful. You are God's workmanship. The Bible says that you are are a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. A masterpiece is a work of outstanding artistry, skill, workmanship. A masterpiece is a work of outstanding creativity. The best work of a creative person. You, listener, are the best work of God. This point it's so powerful. God uniquely created you means, number one, that no one has your DNA. No one has your fingerprints. No one has your personality. And no one has your combination of gifts and talents. You see, God took his time with you. God made you a certain way and specially equip you so that you could accomplish a certain purpose. God created and designed you with perfect intentionality. Oh, I love that. God created and designed you with perfect intentionality. 
the way he created you physically, the way he created you mentally, he was intentional. He took his time working on you. You are God's masterpiece. And your existence is evident that the world needs something that only you can give it. God uniquely created you. That's my first point. From time to time on my Facebook page and on my Twitter account, I will post or tweet a thought that God puts on my heart. So I'd like to share with you a thought in the light of this first point that God uniquely created us, a post and a tweet that I made some time ago. Your gift, here's the, here's the thought, your gift to the world is your uniqueness. So don't rob humanity by trying to be someone else. I'll say that again because that's powerful. Make a note of that. Your gift to the world is your uniqueness. You're not like anybody else. You're unique. So don't rob humanity by trying to be someone else. Here's my second major point that I want to make today. Comparison and imitation are enemies of authenticity. Comparison and imitation are enemies of authenticity. Let's look at this word comparison. And I believe comparison is one of the biggest sins that believers commit. One of the biggest sins we make and all of us have missed it in this area, including myself, have missed it in this area of comparisons. Now, listen at this. Comparison is measuring one thing or one person to another. It is measuring one thing or one person to another. Comparison is trying to fix or evaluate yourself by looking to the right or looking to the left. It is trying to fix or evaluate yourself by looking to the right or looking to the left. Now, I want you to send your questions, send your comments at the end of this lesson. I'm going to answer your questions. I got my iPad right there. And I'm going to answer any questions you have. Are you looking to the right? Are you looking to the left? Comparing yourself with others? Are you looking to the right? You're looking to the L, left, trying to fix yourself. Are you looking to the right? You're looking to the left, trying to evaluate where you are. I say comparisons is a sin. The reason I say that is because of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. In the New Living Translation, it says, but they are comparing themselves with each other. 
using themselves as a measurement how ignorant. That's powerful. Now, the King James translation says those who measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves are not wise. You know, I, uh, I see I got some questions coming in here. I got some comments coming here. Keep sending your questions. See, keep sending your, your comments. Now, I said that this is a big sin in the church. Why you say that? Because, you know, as believers, we tend to compare ourselves and where we are spiritually with some other Christian. Don't you do it? Don't you do it? We, we, we look at this person and this person may really have it together. And, and, and we compare ourselves and compare it to them. We don't feel like we really have it together. But not only do we compare ourselves to others, we compare our churches to others. We look at what we're doing and we look at what others are doing and we compare ourselves and we're not sure we're doing well because that church over there is doing this and this church over here is doing that and we're doing this. Well, the Bible says that's not wise. He said, the scripture said, that's ignorant to do that. We compare ministers to each other. We love our pastor, so we put our pastor up and we put other pastors down. We, we like this minister. We don't like this minister, so we exalt this minister. We put th That's the same thing was happening in the church at Corinth. And Paul rebuked them for that. Comparisons is an enemy of authenticity. Imitation is the enemy of authenticity. Imitation simply means to act or copy someone or something. To act, it means the act of copying someone or something. We just going to copy it. We just going to copy that person, copy that method, copy that thing, copy that vision. I see I've got some more comments coming in. Thank you so very much. Uh, for your comments. Here's a question for you. Why choose to be a cheap counterfeit when you were created to be a masterpiece? I read that or heard that somewhere, but that's powerful. Why choose to be a cheap counterfeit when you were created to be a masterpiece? When you try to be somebody else, you insult God your creator. Did you hear what I just said? When you try to be someone else, you insult God, your creator, because you're his masterpiece. He was intentional about creating you. Your height is not an issue with God. Your nose, your ears, your behind is not an issue with God. Your size is not an issue with God. Now, he wants you to be healthy, but, but God created us the way he wanted us. Your, your, your mind, your way you think was created by God. It's an insult to God for him to be so intentional with you, and then you try to be like someone else. 
Oscar Wilde says, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Let me share with you two of my posts. Again, I post my thoughts on Facebook from time to time. And this is something that I said. Don't waste your time trying to be like someone else. It is an abuse of privilege. Now, Oscar Wilde said, and then compare my quote, Oscar Wilde says, be yourself, everyone else is taken. I said, don't waste your time trying to be like someone else. It is an abuse. I see more comments coming in, more questions. It is an abuse of privilege. You say, why is it an abuse of privilege? Because God uniquely created you and there is no one on the planet like you. No one will navigate through life like you. No one will offer to this world what you can offer because God uniquely created you. It is an abuse of your privilege to hear God made sure that nobody would be like you, nobody could offer, that's a privilege. Nobody can represent you in, that is a privilege. And it is an abuse of privilege to try to be like someone else. In fact, here's another post that I made. If you wanna be the best at something, if you want to be the best, and I know, what are you saying? Do you want to be the best at something? How many of you listen to me? You want to be the best at something. Let me see your hand. I see you. I, come on, let me see your hand. Listen, if you want to be the best at something, be yourself, and you will be the best. My third major point that I wanted to share today in this lesson is that integrity demands authenticity. Integrity demands authenticity. Integrity demands authenticity. I see another comment. Thank you so very much for your, for your comments. I see a few questions there. Thank you so very much. You can send them in now. Now listen at this. When we were putting this lesson together and I was before God, I had never, never used authenticity as a pillar before. But I had this quickening that it was important to integrity. And this statement, integrity demands authenticity is why I chose to make authenticity one of the pillars. Now, listen at this. When you try to be somebody else, you're being dishonest. And honesty is a pillar of integrity. You can't have integrity if you're dishonest. Well, when you're trying to be someone else, somebody else, you're being dishonest. Maybe that's why the Lord spoke to me on several occasions and said, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. 
I believe God is saying that to you. Stay in your lane. Why? Because running in somebody else's lane will disqualify you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the latter part of the verse says, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. There's a race that, mar that is marked out for us. And let us run with patience. Let us stay in our lane. Don't get in somebody else's lane. That's one of the uh, big problems, too, in Christians trying to achieve success. I think Christians are trying to do too many things. I think Christians lack focus. In fact, listen at this. See, can you agree with this? Most of the successful people that we know, whether in Christendom or whether in the secular world, whether it's business, military, or uh, entertainment, sports, uh, whether it's in government, most of the very successful people that we know today did not begin doing a lot of things. They were very focused in what they did. They committed time and energy and effort and then as that thing, that main thing grew and that main thing developed, they began to stretch out. They began to diversify. Well, I think a lot of Christians, they just have their hands in a whole lot of things before they build something great. Build something great and then diversify. Build something great. And then diversify. Stay in your lane. Find out what that is and stay in your lane. When you try to be someone else, you will fail. I'm going to give you uh, uh, an example of what I just said. If you try to be someone else, you're going to fail. And then I'm going to give you another example of someone who decided, I just, I just got to be myself. Let's look at the seven sons of Sceva, they were trying to be like someone else. It's in Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. It says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that were merely touched, that merely touched his skin was placed on sick people. They were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits or attempting to cast out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it, the evil spirit replied. Now, this is the evil spirit in a person, and they were attempting to cast the evil spirit out of this individual. The evil spirit spoke through the mouth of that person 
I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Now, you don't want an evil spirit to say that about you. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? You fake. What? You are fake. How are you going to cast me out? You are fake. Now, watch this. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Now, what was the problem? The seven sons of Sceva fell because they were not authentic. They were not authentic. They failed because they were trying to copy what they saw Paul do. They were just copying somebody. I see I got some more comments. Thank you. Good comments. I, I can't wait to get to those comments. They were trying to copy what they saw Paul do. They didn't have a revelation. They didn't have a personal revelation. They didn't have a mandate from God. They were just mimicking somebody. They were just copying somebody. Why did they fail? They were not born again, did not have Paul's calling, didn't have Paul's assignment, and didn't have Paul's special gifting. Integrity demands authenticity. Now, let's look at another uh, illustration, another illustration uh, that, that on the other side, an individual, David, decided that he had to stay in his own lane. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 38 through 40 in the New Living Translation, first Samuel chapter 17, verse 38 through verse 40 in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones and a string in a string from a string and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Wow, this is a beautiful example. Beautiful example. David, one of Jesse's sons, went, was sent by his father to the battle. There was a battle going on between Goliath and Israel. Jesse had several sons in the battle, and he sent Je David to the battle to bring refreshments to his other sons that were soldiers in the war. When David came on the scene, he saw this giant Goliath and how he was uh, bringing a reproach on the nation of Israel. And something rose up on the inside of him. Uh, and whereas everyone was running away from the giant, David said, I'll fight him. Well, he was just a kid, just a teenager. I mean, who would use a teenager to fight a, 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 a soldier, a trained warrior, huge in statue? Well, he had to actually talk his way into it. 
And the Bible says he had to talk and get Saul the king to give him permission to face the giant. Well, he finally persuaded him. And then Saul really didn't think he could beat the giant, but he wanted to help him. He took off his armor and gave it to David. And David put on Saul's armor. Now, Saul was a tall man. I'm quite sure David wasn't tall at all. Just, he was just a small teenager. But he put on that armor, and it was just so bucky. Can you imagine him walking around with that armor? It's hanging off, his shield hanging, his helmet on the side of his head. And it looked, I mean, just all that armor clanging and stuff. And David took a few steps and said, listen, I can't go with this. I can't go with this. There's no way in the world. I can't even move with this. The Bible says, now this is beautiful. The Bible says he took off Saul's armor. And that's what some of you have to do. You got to stop. Stop trying to be like somebody else. It's not going to work. You're going to fail. And maybe you have failed. Because you're trying to be like somebody else. He took off his arm and he said, I can't go with these. I've never tried them. I've never walked in them before. But he went to a stream and picked up five smooth stones, picked up his sling because he could, he was a shepherd and he had used that sling many times to defeat animals. He picked up the equipment that God gave him and he killed the giant. What a powerful story. I like something Charles Handy said. He said, to be comfortable in your own skin is the beginning of strength. To be comfortable. Are you comfortable in your own skin? Is there anybody else you'd rather be than you? Who are you imitating? Who are you comparing yourself to? Charles Hannon says to be comfortable in your own skin is the beginning of strength. It took me some time to become comfortable in my skin, I must confess. I looked up to, to different individuals, and maybe like you, I wanted to be like them. But finally, I began to grow up, and, and spiritually mature people, they appreciate who they are. As I began to grow, and become comfortable in my own skin, God began to use me. Now, I want to give some final words in this concluding lesson today to four different groups. I want to give a final word to parents, a final word to ministers, a final word to single men, and a final word to believers in general. Now, I got questions and I got comments. And as I look at my iPad, wow, we're going to we're going to have some good. I'm going to have a good time answering uh, the questions. I see a lot of comments there. If you have any questions, send your questions in now. Send your comments in now. I thank you for that. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But I want to give the first final word to parents. Parents. Obey what the scripture says in Proverbs 22, 6. The Amplified Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
Now, if you are reading from the Amplified Bible, you know I skipped part of that text. The Amplified Bible actually says, train up a child in the way he should go. Now watch this. In keeping with his individual gift or bent. Now, that's, that's powerful. It says to you parents, and this is my word to you, it says train up a child in the way he or she should go. And many of your parents listen to me now. You have small kids or you have teenagers. It says train up a child in the way he or she should go in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Notice it does not say train up a child according to your vision of what they should do in life or clone your children so brothers and sisters will be just alike. No, it doesn't say that. It says train them up in keeping with their individual gift and bent. That tells me that God created our children with the individual gifts and bent. And even if they're twins, nothing wrong with dressing them alike if that's what you, if that's what you want to do. But remember, they're individuals. God gave them an individual gift and an individual bent. And the Bible says we to train them according to that bent and according to that gifting. I have have two adult children uh, that I raised and, and my wife raised, Michael K. and Tiffany Moore. Their names are different. Their age is different. But not only that, their personalities are different. The way they think are different. Michael is strategic. He's a strategic think. He can think through things logically. Really good at it. And then Tiffany is creative. I mean, she's creative. It, it's amazing how she can come up with different kinds of things. Their career choices are different. The way they want to pursue their lives are different. Now, the worst thing we could do as parents would try to clone them. The worst thing we could do is judge them based off each other. Well, you're not like Mike. You're not like Tiffany. No, the Bible says that we're to train them up according to their bent and according to their gifting. There's a movie that I, my wife and I, we recently saw. It was, in, it's entitled King Richard. It's about Richard Williams, the father of tennis stars, Venus and Serena Williams, and how he had this vision and his, his, uh, it's about his resolve to create and develop them into tennis stars. And, and it was just a wonderful new movie. I highly recommend it. Now, it's a lot of lessons that you can learn. Maybe some things you can learn, things you should do, maybe some things you shouldn't do, but it is really a great 
a great movie, in my opinion. Now, what people could miss in that movie is that he had two daughters who actually lived out the vision that he had in the beginning, but both of them are different. They're different. Their style of, is different. And you have to also remember that not all of his kids became tennis stars. So that's a word to us parents. Don't try to clone them. Don't try to make them the same. Don't judge them out of uh, uh, some kind of comparison. And, and train them up according to their individual bent and gift and just celebrate it and then let God do the rest. A second word to, I want to give to ministers. And remember, we're talking about authenticity. To ministers, I will say this. Don't just be a copycat of someone else's or some ministers or some ministry. Don't be a copycat. I mean, we all learn from others. I've learned, and, and this is my 41st year pastoring, I've learned from other ministries. I've learned from other ministers. And there are some things that are generic and we can all learn from each other and we can all use it. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with you preaching someone else's sermon. I don't care about people preaching my sermon. In fact, I sent out my sermons to a, a number of my uh, sons and daughters and those that are connected to me in ministry. I send them out. I don't have any problem with that. Hopefully, they will take it, process it, make the sermon theirs, let it flow out of their creativity, flow out of their anointing, flow out of their gifting, and then God will show them things that maybe I didn't say in my sermon. So I'm not saying anything that's wrong with that. And my spiritual father in the faith was Dr. Fred Price. And listen, in the beginning of my ministry, I preached everything he preached. I read all of his books. I listened to all of his tapes at that time. And I didn't change subjects. I didn't change jokes. I didn't change anything. But the day came when I had to become comfortable in my own skin. God did not want me to be Dr. Price. And so God doesn't want you to be your father in the faith or to be your mother in the faith or whoever. But he wants you to learn the principles that they live by, learns from the things, how they operate. Look at how they operate. Look at how they deal with issues. Look at how they deal with that different kinds of things. Look at their attitude, their personality, how they confront situations. I learned from Dr. Price about faith. I learned from him about excellence. I learned from him a lot of different things, but God never wanted me to be him. And God doesn't want you to be your spiritual dad or your spiritual mother or whoever it is. He wants you to learn and, and build the principles in your life, not their personality and not every method. Don't take their vision and just uh, cookie cut it and, and just paste it. You know, no, don't do that. God has a vision for you. Some of the methods you'll be able to use, some of the methods you won't be able to use, but take the time to get before God and hear God 
voice concerning the what and the how and the when, and you'll be successful. I want to give uh, another final word to single men, single men. And I'm almost finished, and I'm going to answer these questions. I'm almost finished. I want to I want to challenge you single men to commit to faithfulness with your body. I want you to change the narrative. There is a narrative about single men that single men are no different than worldly men, unsaved men. If you're listening to me and you as a single man require sex as a part of your relationship. It's a part, it has to be a part of your relationship. You will put pressure on people, women, to have sex. And if they don't have sex with you, then you go to somebody else. And some of you, you're going from female to female to female, and you're hurting this one and this one and this one. And I'm telling you, you got to change the narrative. You got to become faithful with to God below your waist. I know you're tired. I know some of you give. I know some of you work in church. I know you some of that. But God is also looking at how you manage your body. And the Bible says that certain individuals won't inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to go from women to women to women. You're supposed to be celibate just like everybody else. You have to change the narrative or you're going to be on the outside looking in, and I'm not saying you're going to go to hell, but you're going to be on the outside because God says that the next move of God is going to be in the area of character. And you have to make a decision. I'm going to be celibate with my body and I'm going to trust God to meet my needs and I'm going to stand on the word. And you got to be holistic. You don't get a pass that what you heard from your mama, I mean, from maybe your mom, but especially from your dad or your uncle, your brothers and all this about a man got to be a man and you got to have you some sex. And you ain't going to marry nobody. You hadn't tried out. That's worldly. And you got to stop all that. You got to stop all that. Then final word is to just believers. Don't try to stand on someone else's prophecy. Don't try to stand on someone else's prophecy or testimony. God gave them the prophecy. God gave them the testimony. Get your own testimony. Just because God told them to do a certain thing doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Now, listen, this is the conclusion of our our final lesson on integrity and our final series for this year. This is the conclusion. It, I believe you were blessed by it. We're going to take a two-week break, let you enjoy your families during the Christmas holiday, and we're going to come back the first Tuesday in January at 12 on Tuesday for the How to Win podcast. <laughs>